everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Today, I'm going to be taking a look at some alien UFO encounters you've probably never heard of. Starting off with one out of the Soviet Union called the Voronezh Incident. I don't know about you, but me personally, I've never seen a UFO. Believe it or not, for somebody that is so fascinated by the paranormal, and UFOs and aliens especially intrigues me, I've yet to see one, either an alien or a UFO. I swear every time I go outside, especially at night, I just start looking up at the sky, hoping, almost praying that one shows up. But maybe I shouldn't be hoping one shows up. Based on these incidents, not quite sure if I'd want to experience what these people were lucky enough to see. Before I jump into this episode, though, I just want to remind you that you can support the show for free by just making sure you're following us on Spotify and subscribing on YouTube. That's all I ask. If you do those two things, I'm forever in your debt. And if you want to support the show beyond that, you can buy some merch. I'm wearing some today, actually. This is from our last collection. There's still some items available at milehighmerch.com. And as always, if you need to chill out, I got you covered there as well. Highlovewellness.com. I've got the best CBD products on the market, all different types. And you can save 10% off there with my code lights out. All right. Let's just go ahead and jump right in to the Voronezh UFO incident. So on September 27th, 1989, everybody was gathered in a crowded park in the city of Voronezh, which is 300 miles southeast of Moscow in the Soviet Union. The city was moments away from becoming world famous and no one even knew it. Children were running around the park while the adults talked with each other. There was a group of boys even playing football in an open field. And several dozen people waited on the benches at a nearby bus stop. It was just like any other day in the park. But around 6.30pm that evening, a bright pink light appeared in the sky above the horizon. Which around 6.30pm, sun's starting to go down. But this light was so bright it was impossible not to notice. People stopped what they were doing to look at this strange light. And before they knew it, they realized it was a giant orb. And as it got closer, the color of the sky changed from light pink to a deep red. The glow radiated from the orb as it emerged from the binding light and hovered above the park. According to those that witnessed this, this strange floating orb was about 30 feet across and it began circling around the park. After a while, a small hatch opened on the belly of this orb. And that's when all the people in the park saw a large humanoid figure appear in the opening. It looked about 10 feet tall and had a tiny head on its shoulders. According to some accounts, they mentioned that the head 
laid low across the shoulders, almost like no neck. Others say it looked like a human head, but just much smaller. But what was weird about this humanoid is that it had three eyes, two that looked like our eyes, but wider. And the other large eye was set right on its forehead, which is interesting because it's almost like our two eyes and then a third eye. This figure seemed to have some type of silvery overalls on, I guess is the best way to describe it, and bronze boots. And around its waist, it wore a belt with a strange symbol on its buckle. And its chest held a bright bronze disc in the center. This figure just stared out from the hatch window looking over the park. And after just a moment, the hatch closed and the orb descended a bit closer until it gently landed on the ground in the center of the park. The hatch opened again. Stairs descended from the opening and the figure emerged. Once again from the orb, beside the figure stood a small mechanical box. And as the dust from the landing cleared, the humanoid then reached down and pressed a button on this box. And apparently the box came alive and sprouted arms and legs. It also had knobs, buttons, and lights on the body of the box. And this humanoid in this walking box started coming across the grass. And I'm sure everybody was just in complete shock by this, probably not even believing what they're seeing. Once they started moving, I think it kind of hit everybody as the two of these figures began walking across the grass. One of the children that was there started screaming. But just as soon as they started screaming, they were silent. This humanoid figure that had emerged from the orb just was staring directly at him. Its three eyes began to glow with a bright light. And once this happened, the child ceased to scream as if they were paralyzed and couldn't move. When others in the park saw what was happening, they began screaming because they're like, what the hell is going on? And after the humanoid realized, this is how you greet me, it then vanished along with the orb. But after about five minutes, both reappeared. And now the humanoid held what looked like a firearm in their hands. It had a long tube attached to a strange mechanism. The figure pointed this gun-looking object at the paralyzed boy, pulled the trigger, and the boy evaporated into thin air. Imagine witnessing that. So once this happened, the whole park just breaks into pandemonium. Everyone's screaming and running in different directions after seeing the boy disappear. Once again, this humanoid figure then retreated back into the orb, closed up the hatch, and this orb craft lifted off. It seemed to kick into high gear and faded into the clouds above. What was interesting though is that once this orb was gone, the boy just reappeared out of thin air and fell to the ground. He seemed to be confused, but physically all right. Again, after this happened, everybody just went home, just terrified, had no idea what they had just witnessed. Many said that they were left with this overwhelming fear that actually lasted for several days after this encounter. They reported that it felt like fear had almost crawled inside them and wouldn't leave their bodies. 
The next day, the story hit the local newspapers, including the TASS News, Russia's largest news agency. Once this happened, a ton of other news outlets picked up the story, and it started to spread through the whole region. And obviously, this is a very terrifying story, so it just spread fear all over the Soviet Union. And what's interesting is that this is not the first alien sighting in the Soviet Union. But most alien encounters happen at night out in the countryside with only a few witnesses. This happened when the sun was still up in the middle of a city park with dozens of witnesses. So nothing like this had ever been seen before by so many different people. The Soviet military then swept in and started searching through the park, looking for any evidence of this humanoid and this orb. They interviewed everyone that they could find that had seen what had happened. And each person told the same story of the floating orb and the humanoid figure. There's absolutely no contradictions in their stories, so there is corroboration. Soon after, a team of scientists searched the park to figure out, you know, maybe this was something that could be explained away via science. The government then released those reports to the public. At that point, it became official. The Soviet scientists that were sent to the park confirmed that a UFO had recently landed there, as they were able to find the landing site and traces of alien footprints from that humanoid figure that had emerged from the orb and walked a short distance across the grass. The head of the Voronezh Geophysical Laboratory found four deep depressions across 60 feet of ground, and this is where they assumed the landing gear had actually rested. They also discovered that the area where this orb had landed also had elevated levels of radioactive isotope cesium, plus two pieces of unidentified rock were recovered. This rock looked like sandstone, but it had a deeper red color. After they ran a mineralogical analysis, they discovered that the substance that they recovered wasn't from Earth. The scientists in the Soviet military couldn't figure out what really happened, though. But as far as the evidence goes, it looked like a UFO had landed on the Earth's surface and terrorized the people in the park. And as the reports spread and more newspapers caught on to the story, it eventually made its way over to the Western world. It's important to remember, though, that during this time, the Cold War era, tensions between Soviet Russia and the U.S. were high. U.S. news agencies still picked up the story, though, but they were much more sarcastic and skeptical compared to the Soviet news outlets. Even though President Gorbachev was excited about transparency in the media, the Western world laughed because they thought this was pushing into tabloid territory. Some outlets joked that the alien description sounded a lot like Elvis, a figure wearing silver jumpsuit and bronze boots. So, as you can imagine, people just did not take the story seriously. They even coined the experience a close encounter of the communist kind. But even though the Western world didn't take it seriously, this incident became one of the most famous UFO incidents in history. The fact that it was talked about all over the world set it apart from other stories out there. And the craziest part is that this wasn't the only encounter that happened around Voronezh. Several other stories came to light that happened close to September 27, 1989. Many of these stories or encounters talked about the same 10-foot-tall humanoids with tiny heads flying around and glowing orbs. A book published a year later titled UFOs, Voronezh recorded dozens of encounters between August 1989 and January 1990. 
and plenty of other encounters happened all across the USSR. 1989 would later become known as the return of the humanoids. Because believe it or not, on October 2nd, 1989, another incident occurred at a nearby train station, which was only a few miles away from that park in Voronezh. About 40 people stepped off the train and looked up into the bright sky. And off into the distance, a red orb flew up and down an empty field. After it found a place to land, a familiar tall humanoid creature exited through a hatch in the bottom of the orb. It came out carrying, again, a metal instrument that looked like a metal rod in its hands. It set the rod toward the ground and many onlookers thought it was collecting rock or soil samples. Then the figure lifted the rod from the ground and returned to the orb. The craft then lifted up, disappeared into the sky. After this, people started speculating, what are these figures doing? It seemed to them that they were clearly collecting data about the Earth. But for what reason? I mean, no one knew. A few months before these sightings, another humanoid creature had been spotted near St. Petersburg, Russia. On June 19, 1989, around 1 a.m., Tamara Krasikova, a local factory worker, saw something very unusual. She sat on a bench near house number 70 on Farvosky Street. And not far from this particular house is the Leningrad-Moscow Railway. Above it, the sky was dark and cloudy, and no one else was around. And out of the darkness, another woman who was about 35 years old came out of the railway station. She wore a dark green jacket and carried a handbag. And when she approached Tamara, she said she was going to rest for a while before walking home. And the women struck up a conversation. The last train of the night passed by and everything was quiet. And as the train took off, up above house number 64, a red light flashed from the sky and lit up half the houses on the street. Both women got up from the bench thinking someone had thrown a torch or a flare from the last train window as it passed. But as they looked up into the sky, they saw a saucer-shaped craft coming down from above. Two landing props came out from the bottom before landing on the ground. The top of the saucer began expanding like a rubber ball, and the red light from the saucer brightened. It made everything look like daytime. It was that bright. Outside of the saucer, a tall figure emerged. It was hard to see what it was because the light was so bright, but then a second one appeared right next to the first, but this one was much smaller. One of the figures began walking towards the two women. When they saw them coming, they became terrified, and the other woman that Tamara was with fled down the street, but Tamara was frozen. Her legs were too weak, so she didn't move. The tall alien approached, but it walked straight past, completely ignoring her. As she knows that the figure was about 12 feet tall, it had a huge body with wide shoulders and a short neck. Its face was a white shade and smooth. It had a round chin and and it seemed to be wearing a pair of rectangular goggles around its eyes. The top of his head was covered by a skin-tight helmet, and its ears were hidden beneath it. This humanoid figure walked like a normal human, but he had large feet that almost looked like flippers. And when the alien's feet touched the ground, red shining balls rolled under its feet, 
but then disappeared when he lifted them off of the ground between each step he made. And the weird thing was that the alien didn't make any noise as it moved. It was perfectly silent. It then began walking in large strides between the houses, and after it got past them, it looked both ways before continuing on, and eventually it disappeared from sight. Tamara tried to see where the figure went, but it was already gone. Tamara then was able to limp back to her home, and once she got inside, she looked out the window, and the humanoids in the saucer had actually disappeared. Another worker later reported seeing a massive humanoid figure walking around the area. Two scientists later came out to the area for research and they discovered the presence of several abnormal areas. A handful of other local residents had seen the same bright light in the sky, along with other flying objects that interfered with their local television broadcasting. It didn't seem like a coincidence as people began digging into more reports of UFO sightings. The USSR was actually flooded with reports of alien contact, and the transparent Soviet media was ready to report on everything they could find. In the summer of 1989 in Far East Russia, a Soviet naval submarine officer known only by his initials DA had an experience different than everyone else. DA was actually out on a hunting expedition in the deep taiga of Siberia. He and his team of men reached the top of a hill where they noticed something that looked like a waterproof canvas tent. Some of the men had forgotten to pack their own tent, so they helped themselves. They planned on setting up a camp here and starting a small fire. But DA noticed a strange cloud hovering right above them. It hung very low in the sky and it was barely moving. It was almost like a fog that hung right over their heads. When no one else was watching, DA was able to reach his hand up into this cloud but it was forced back out. He then tried to jump into the cloud head first. This time when he jumped upwards, head first into this cloud, and he opened his eyes, he found himself in a different location, one that he didn't recognize. He'd actually been transported from the snowy hills of Siberia to a place covered in sunshine and hot sand beneath his feet. He was surrounded by palm trees and hot air. A large ocean opened up in front of him and he realized he was on a tropical beach. From a distance, some sort of vehicle approached him. It looked like a futuristic car that he had never seen before. Inside of this car were three figures, a man and two women. When this vehicle rolled up to him, they said hello in a perfect Russian voice and invited him inside the car. Without fear, he agreed. I mean, he's in paradise after all. And they drove around for a while before they pulled up to a strange facility. DA thought it was some sort of laboratory, and when they got inside, strange humanoid creatures called over to him and asked if he would take some tests. He agreed, as all he had to do was answer a series of questions, and when he was done with the interview, he asked who these strangers were, and all they said was that they came from the 21st century. They also offered him a place to stay, so that they could do more tests on him. DA said that he had to get back to his wife and children, but they insisted that he stay with them. They said people disappeared all the time, so it wouldn't be a problem. Which, obviously, this alarmed DA, and he refused. In a second, his surroundings faded, and he was inside a cloud. Fog and moisture surrounded him. The figures were still there, but the surroundings changed. DA then realized that since they were from the future, he should ask them about it before it was too late. He told the figures that they had many troubles in 1989 and that he was worried about the future of his country 
but the figures just reassured him that everything was going to be okay. And after their final words, he passed through the cloud dimension and reappeared on the hill with his men. One of his friends ran up to him, screaming and asking where he had been. He was super concerned and honestly a little pissed. DA led him over to the campfire where they both sat down and he told the other men everything that had just happened to him. Imagine hearing the story. I mean, it sounds like he just time traveled, but also teleported to, uh, seems like a pretty sweet vacation spot. And obviously his men were just awestruck. Their jaws dropped and they just sat there, not believing what they were hearing, but very scared by what he was telling them. And this fear seemed to build to an unreasonable amount. It grew until the men were convinced that something was going to attack them at any moment. Suddenly, a rustling came from the nearby bushes at the edge of the camp. By this point, night had fallen, so they could hardly see what was going on over there. The bushes were only lit up by a dim campfire. One of the men got up from the campfire, grabbed his rifle, and aimed it at the bush. He yelled that whoever was hiding behind the bushes was about to get shot. There was no response, so the man opened up fire on this bush. They didn't know if it was just, you know, their imaginations playing tricks on them or if something or someone was actually in the bushes. But after he opened fire, the rustling bushes stopped moving and the fear that had built up faded away. When they checked the bushes for any trace of life, there was nothing there. DA never understood who these creatures were or how they developed and transported him through this cloud portal. But maybe they were being honest with him when they spoke. Maybe everything was truly going to be okay in the future. After encounters like this began to surface, Soviet journalists were out to understand what these aliens wanted and why they were here. A Communist Party youth newspaper published a personal interview about one of their journalists that had supposedly had an encounter with a humanoid alien. The interview took place near the city of Perm, which is where a lot of alien activity had been reported. It was also where a large labor camp for political prisoners was located and operated as well. The journalist first asked where these humanoids came from. The figure it spoke to was nearly 13 feet tall and glowed in the dark. And they told him they were from the constellation Libra, or Red Star. They referred to it as their homeland. The figure didn't speak any words though. They illuminated Russian letters up in the night sky and the reporter asked if they would take him to their homeland. They then told this journalist that if they took him, he would never return and it would be too dangerous. When he asked why, he said they were worried he would bring back thought bacteria and infect their home planet. The reporter then asked, well, what's your goal then? And their response was very cryptic. They said it depended on something called the center. They said they were directed by a central system. And when they talked about their central system, many later thought it was something similar to a communist society. They thought these aliens might share political ideals similar to the USSR, which this explains why the aliens chose the Soviet Union to contact its people rather than the Western world. Others thought it might have had something to do with the Soviet media's transparency too. In 1986, Mikhail Gorbachev created a new government policy known as Glasnost. This translates to openness. 
This meant that the media was open to discuss political and social issues, so maybe the aliens wanted to take advantage of how open their media had become. The idea of aliens contacting Earth was ridiculous for the mainstream Western world. So some thought these stories that ran in the newspapers were only a test to see if their government would actually let them talk about anything they wanted. But the problem was, the USSR and its people didn't see UFOs and aliens as a joke. Deep beliefs in aliens were held up by the Soviets, and even people in high-up powerful positions were obsessed with the idea. A politician named Yuri Andropov was known for his obsession with UFOs and aliens. Yuri was born in 1914 and later served as the sixth leader of the Soviet Union from 1982 up until his death in 1984, but his first major position of power was the Soviet ambassador to Hungary in 1954. He played a key role in suppressing the 1956 Hungarian Revolution, and there they gave him the nickname, the Butcher of Budapest. Later in 1967, he was made chairman of the KGB. His personal goal was to eliminate anyone against the Soviet Union, so he cracked down by carrying out mass arrests and committing people to involuntary psychiatric treatment. Their condition was labeled socially undesirable. When they did this, the person's condition was labeled socially undesirable. And after the leader of the Soviet Union suffered a stroke in 1975, Yuri took as much power as he could. And after their leader's death in 1982, Yuri finally became the official leader of the Soviet Union, and he was known for being ruthless. He crushed and imprisoned anyone who got in his way. Anyone who had opposing political views were silenced. But Yuri did have a few quirks of his own. He had a small obsession with UFOs. During his reign of power, he ordered a 13-year program requiring military soldiers to monitor the skies over Russian territory. Anything that was reported, Yuri kept in a private folder known as the blue folder inside his personal desk. And one of the first reports described a UFO appearance by an officer who had been out fishing. Ever since that first report, his interest in UFOs grew. And by 1978, he ordered 4 million Soviet soldiers to file detailed reports on any UFO sightings. This program led to hundreds of thousands of sightings being reported in a 13-year period. And this program lasted until the fall of the Soviet Union in 1990. Most of the cases had some sort of rational explanation, though, and many were explained to be technical issues like missile launches. But the hundreds of others that couldn't be explained caught Yuri's attention. His operations even extended to civilians, being ordered to report on anything strange they saw or heard. And this made the entire Soviet Union one massive listening post. His program had become big brother for the skies. Everything was watched, listened to, and monitored. And Yuri's obsession wasn't even that strange to many people in the USSR, as plenty of regular citizens had the same ideas. And the Soviet Union was overwhelmed by UFO sightings. Yuri's project would later be known as the Network, and it drew specialists from all over the USSR. The USSR actually kept a long list of X-Files over the years, long before the return of humanoids in 1989. And this was how this network began. Above Lake Oneiga in northwest Russia, a group of dock workers saw a blinding light emerge from the dark sky. As it approached the city, this blinding light began to fade. And apparently it took on the shape of a glimmering jellyfish. It eventually slowed down to a hover above the city and unleashed a handful of ultra-thin beams of light. The dock workers couldn't understand what they were looking at. A few of them thought that maybe this was the beginning of a nuclear war. 
the apocalypse had arrived. As in their minds, this made the most sense. 1977 was during the height of the Cold War, and nuclear Armageddon was on everyone's mind already. And this glowing jellyfish in the sky looked like the mushroom cloud of a nuclear explosion. But as the moments passed, the dock workers realized that they were still alive and well. It clearly wasn't a nuclear explosion or else they would have been dead already. Another 12 minutes passed and the shining object in the sky transformed into a semicircle of light and then blasted off into space, heading back towards the lake. But instead of disappearing over the horizon, it shot upwards before tearing a red hole into the dark clouds. And once deep enough into the clouds, it disappeared into the darkness. No one was attacked and no one died, but the dock workers felt the fear of an attack. This wasn't even the first time a UFO had been spotted in the area. Several others had been seen by police, sailors, an ambulance crew, and a reporter for the TASS news agency. Countries that shared borders with the USSR became more concerned as the reports kept coming in, as they suspected that the Soviets were probably testing new types of nuclear weapons in the night, and they demanded an explanation. But supposedly, the Soviet government was just as confused as the rest. Government officials were desperate to find answers. So they gathered up members from the Academy of Sciences to try and explain away this phenomenon. But as time passed, they couldn't come up with any reasonable answer. They only concluded that the UFO sightings were a real physical phenomenon, and they needed to study it more. Meanwhile, the public's interest was growing. People ended up making their own theories and explanations for these strange lights. While the Soviet government tried to team up with military and scientific experts to get an answer, the UFO sightings were too big to ignore. Even the people that didn't think that the UFOs were necessarily aliens thought it might have been the U.S. actually behind these strange objects. Which this actually makes a lot of sense that some of the strange lights they might have seen may have been spycraft from the United States. Because of course they would want to keep an eye on what the USSR was doing at the time. So the Defense Ministry and the Academy of Sciences came together and formed the network. And to this day, this was the largest official investigation into a UFO phenomenon ever. It wasn't only a collection of UFO reports, but it also was about understanding them scientifically. The project lead was a young astrophysicist named Yuli Platov. He found out about the project, the network, through the head of his institute. And once he discovered it, he couldn't stop thinking about it. So he pressured his boss to give him a chance. And a few days later, he was contacted by the network and soon after they put him in charge of the entire project. At first the project was top secret because they didn't know what would come across. They didn't know what mysteries would be uncovered. So it was made up of 20 organizations staffed with all kinds of specialists. People from all different professions were brought together from physics, chemistry, and optics. But they also worked with the military. This brought plenty of problems to the surface. If a scientist discovered something that they didn't understand, they tried to study and research it, but if a military officer was faced with something he didn't understand, then the mystery became a potential enemy. In those cases, it wasn't something worth studying, but it was something worth destroying. So the project drew plenty of different opinions. It was Yuli's job to unite them, and the Academy of Sciences collected reports from Soviet citizens and scientific institutions, and the Defense Ministry collected reports from Soviet soldiers and personnel. And if anything strange happened with their military hardware or weapons, they were told to focus on that. 
After all the reports were collected, the network received around 3,000 reports of UFO sightings. From those 3,000 reports, 300 ended up being unexplained. At first, it was hard to keep track of all these sightings. So the network focused mostly on trusted sightings. An astronomer by the name of Felix Ziegel would later become known as the founding father of Russian UFO studies. Felix obsessed over all the reports the government had gathered. But the problem was many of the claims were all unverified. Some of the reports even ended up with people confessing that they were lying about what they had seen. Some of the more convincing ones eventually came through though. Felix would also perform strange experiments. He'd have people walk around empty fields where UFOs were spotted and he asked if they felt any strange energy. Most of the time the people would say no, but occasionally weird energies would flow through them. Skeptics would only laugh at Felix and his experiments. Once he realized the other researchers didn't have the same interests as him, though, he left the network, and he went on to do his own research until his death in 1988. He built his own team of scientists and amateurs to investigate alien phenomena. He also reached out to the Western world to find people with similar interests. And to this day, many of his disciples continue his research from the Soviet era. After everything, though, that bright jellyfish in the sky that had been seen above Lake Oneiga was never explained, and no one knows what the dock workers actually saw that night. The Soviet government eventually released an official report on this particular incident. They said that the phenomenon was too big to be explained by technical experiments. They even suggested a possible influence of cosmic activity. The mystery of the giant jellyfish remained, but many realized in the report that even the government hinted at extraterrestrial activity. After the fall of the Soviet Union in 1990, several secret Soviet documents passed through Western government organizations and individuals. Many were smuggled and stolen during the Soviet Union's collapse. Many of these reports were made available to the whole world, and today thousands of lead KGB files are available to the public. And one case in particular drew the attention of millions of people. In 2017, a popular radio station called The Voice of Russia released a story involving a secret KGB file smuggled out of the Soviet Union. It was first reported on back in 1998, but it was reintroduced to the public years later, and it quickly went viral across the globe. Time-sensitive files apparently contained film footage of a UFO crash in March of 1969, just outside the city of Sverdlovsk. In the video, military officers are seen rushing toward the site of an aircraft crash in the forest. And what they found there was a metal saucer that had smashed into the ground. Half of the saucer was buried beneath the ground like it had fallen from the sky at an angle. There were broken tree limbs littering the surroundings. The soldiers armed with machine guns checked the surrounding area. Other officers and agents were seen examining the wreckage. And what comes after the wreckage footage is even more terrifying. The KGB film then shows an autopsy of an alien body that was supposedly found within the crash-landed spacecraft. Five people in white lab coats can be seen surrounding a table where the specimen lies. They take measurements of the body while speaking in Russia. After a few minutes of footage, the camera angle changes and the carnage is shown on the table. A small torso lies next to an arm. There's no head or legs attached to the torso, and only one mangled stub sticks out from the right side. The scientists eventually begin cutting open the torso to perform the autopsy. There's plenty of argument over whether or not this footage is actually real or not. But if this footage is real, 
This is a major breakthrough in the alien discovery. Plus, this isn't the only discovery made public from the secret Soviet files. Another report told about a strange humanoid creature decades before the famous return of the humanoids. Back in February 1959, people in the city of Gdynia, Poland, witnessed a glowing object in the sky that crashed into the Baltic Sea beyond the city docks. Local police sent divers out into the waters to investigate, as they hoped to recover some of the wreckage and discover what had actually fallen into the sea. But all they could find and bring back to the surface was a single, tiny piece of metal. But then a few hours later, a humanoid figure actually emerged from the water, and it dragged itself onto the shore with its hands. It was dressed in a strange uniform, and it looked like a male specimen. Witnesses who saw it emerge from the water said it spoke an unfamiliar language, and then it passed out from exhaustion. Paramedics were called, and the figure was actually taken to a nearby hospital. They noticed that it had heavy burns all across its face from the crash. Hospital staff apparently then tried to remove the humanoid's uniform to treat its wounds, but they couldn't remove this clothing. Even though it looked thin and light, it was as strong as steel, and they couldn't pull it off or cut it off with scissors. Since they weren't able to access the wounds, this humanoid creature eventually died from its injuries. They then placed its remains in a frozen container, and supposedly it was taken to a top-secret location in the underground systems beneath Moscow. Although the creature looked human, Scientists noticed several differences in its body. When they conducted an autopsy, they noticed that the internal organs were drastically different from humans, and each hand and foot contained an extra digit. It was obvious that the creature wasn't from planet Earth, but its origins were a mystery. Some witness accounts also suggest that there was a second humanoid figure that emerged from the waters later on. This humanoid figure was uninjured, but it quickly disappeared from the area, never to be seen again. And still, to this day, no one knows what happened to that recovered body. But supposedly, this wasn't the only thing the KGB had recovered throughout the years. Out over Lake Baikal, in southern Siberia, strange encounters happen out in the wilderness. This lake is the world's largest freshwater lake and has a maximum depth of over 5,000 feet deep. In the past century, it's become one of the world's hotspots for UFO sightings. But one of the more interesting ones came in the year 1982. And what made this one so special is that it wasn't a sighting by civilians. It was spotted by Soviet military. According to leaked documents, a team of seven divers reached 100 feet under the surface of the lake. They were just doing some regular exercises, since they were military divers. Lake Baikal was perfect for diving into extremely dark waters. Somewhere on the north side of the lake, they noticed something that looked like a craft half buried in the sand. They dove to its location for several days to study the craft, until one day one of the divers noticed a figure swimming around. And it wasn't anyone that was a part of the diving team. It looked like a silver humanoid creature swimming around, and its head was apparently a transparent sphere. When the divers told the team what they had found, they were ordered to capture and bring the humanoid creature to the surface. But when the divers approached this humanoid, they were hit with a massive sonar wave. And the force of the wave was so strong that it sent three of the divers toward the surface at high speeds. As a result of coming up from those depths extremely fast, three of them actually died from acute decompression syndrome. Four other divers were knocked unconscious, and all seven washed up on the shore a few minutes later. Many have debunked the story though as folktale, but the lake has always been known for its strange activity. 
flying cigar-shaped spacecraft have often been spotted in the sky above the lake, and an endless list of strange creatures and circumstances have haunted the lake for centuries. With all these released documents, though, hundreds of UFO stories have spread. Aliens in the Soviet Union have caught the attention of UFO enthusiasts across the entire world, and one of the only reasons they were released to the public was the fall of the Soviet Union itself. So people have wondered how many UFO secrets have been kept by governments throughout the years. If nearly 300 reports from the USSR have gone unexplained, how many more are out there? Especially right here, in the United States. Even though most government secrets are held close to the chest, in 2017 it was discovered that the Pentagon had been running its own secret program to research UFOs. It was known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, and it had been running since 2007. Government legislation in 2020 forced U.S. intelligence agencies to deliver a full report on UFOs, and they came back in June of 2021 and revealed that 143 UFO incidents have been unexplained since 2004. And just recently, in December of 2021, the Pentagon opened an official UFO investigation office. Meanwhile, back in Russia, their interest in UFOs has been popular since around 2013, as this was the year that their government declassified documents reporting times when the Russian military experienced UFOs all over the world. They've also discovered unidentified crafts beneath the ocean's surface. And since then, the Russian government has openly put more resources into researching the mystery of UFOs. Even this year, they've announced that their space program would begin researching specific UFO reports from air pilots. While the 1990s were a time when alien activity was hidden from the public, in the past decade, governments have been opening up about unidentified flying objects. Whether these are potentially enemy aircraft, private aircraft, or just mysterious alien activity, we might never know the truth. But there's been enough eyewitness testimonies and unexplained reports to get the imagination going. And now that governments are you know, much more open about the existence of UFOs, they could be bearing much more significant and sensitive info far beneath the surface. These reports of humanoid creatures coming out of these orbs is, is very interesting. I know there's a lot of theories out there. One theory, which is obviously one of the most popular, is that yes, these are aliens from other planets, other star systems. But is it possible that they are from right here on Earth? Is it possible that there are top secret programs, whether within Russia, the United States, or even maybe they're not a part of any sort of country per se? But is it possible that because of things we've recovered in the past, you go all the way back to Roswell in the 1940s, is it possible that this top secret project is actually creating these humanoid figures, whether it's from doing genetic experiments where they're actually creating these hybrid human alien beings that are perhaps AI operated, perhaps they're biological, and maybe whoever's running these top secret programs are using them to do surveillance for them, do studies on other countries for them. It's possible. Does it seem unlikely? Yeah, but that's just one idea. Obviously, I think most of us want to believe that there are other 
species that have been visiting Earth for a very long time. And sometimes they make their presence known. But why? What are they doing here? Seems to me that seems to me that in most alien encounters, they are here to do experiments on us. They're interested in our DNA, perhaps, and what makes us tick. And so they're trying to run their own experiments. Maybe they're trying to do their own hybrid program. Because it always seems like they're just here for a second, and as soon as they're noticed, they take off. But just the idea that they could always be around is is very interesting. They could be always be watching you. You know, if you've ever had those moments where, you know, maybe you're all by yourself and all of a sudden the feeling of somebody's watching you comes over you. Is that an alien perhaps observing you and you're just, you know, you're you're sensing their presence? They seem to have the ability to traverse the dimensions and disappear almost instantaneously seems they have the ability to telepathically communicate with you and their technology is obviously far beyond anything that we have here it's just interesting to me the amount of people that have seen these creatures these craft and it's hard to just explain it all away as a hoax or you know people making shit up another idea And this is one that was presented to me on uh, probably my strangest Uber ride ever. So I took an Uber ride the other day and my Uber driver just randomly started talking about his life. It started off with just the normal Uber talk, you know, how's it going? How long have you been driving? And then he started going into this whole story about how his wife's cheating on him. And so he met this girl who he gave a ride to. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then he started going into how he grew up non-religious because he's now very Christian now. And he grew up with the belief of aliens and that his father had actually told him that he was abducted by aliens. And so that that conversation kind of led to what he believes aliens are. And he presented the idea of that aliens are actually demons. They're fallen angels, he said, sent by God. And then he presented this theory that I thought was very interesting. And obviously, I don't personally believe it, but it is something to put out there. So he told me he was a Christian and, you know, his dad was abducted by aliens. And he now believes that his dad was demonically possessed. And he believes that aliens and these beings or figures that we encounter are in fact demons sent by the devil himself to I guess fool us into thinking that they're aliens but in fact you know they're actually demons working for the devil and so if you believe in aliens then you are essentially following the devil is pretty much what he told me it was a very very strange conversation this happened in a matter of 10 minutes which is so bizarre we went from 0 to 100 and the whole time just like Interesting, don't believe you, but that's an interesting take on it. So with that being said, I want to know what are your thoughts on aliens? Do you think that a lot of these encounters, these stories are aliens from other star systems and they're here visiting? Sometimes I'm like, maybe, maybe not. Are they perhaps 
something we've created here on earth you know are we creating these hybrid beings that are then being used to do the bidding of these top secret organizations or projects maybe run by the government what is actually going on here or are they demons are they some type of transdimensional being that is not from another star system but just perhaps from another plane of existence and they're here to to try to mislead us or i don't know tempt us to do evil i guess all very very interesting thoughts the idea of ufos and aliens is one that fascinates me every time i think about it because i think if we ever get concrete proof or you know an alien lands and I think it would create a massive paradigm shift in just humanity and how the world operates. And I think if we did ever meet a being from another star system, it would change everything. I mean, imagine how people would react. You know, would they panic or would they be accepting of this, of the idea that we're not alone in the universe and that there is other life out there, intelligent life, probably more intelligent than we are i mean aliens could be looking at us as like animals ants you know maybe we're we think we're so evolved and we're so smart but in actuality we're quite dumb (laughs) quite dumb and you know they're trying to figure out what makes us so dumb i don't know just some things to think about but let me know in the comments if you're watching on youtube what you think about these alien encounters what do you think those humanoid figures were i'd love to know your thoughts but that's going to wrap it up for me today thank you again for joining me for another episode of lights out podcast and until next time lights out